All right, go ahead and grab out your Bible. Somebody take some notes with a couple of housekeeping things for us. Um, the first one is, so next Sunday, we've already said it, we are kicking off our prayer and fasting. Uh, we start off the year and we start off August as well. Two times in the year that we do this, where we pray together as a church uh, and we just seek the Lord for the next part and the season that we're in. Uh, and in January, so August, we do prayer and feasting. January, prayer and fasting. Come on, somebody. So in August, we're all happy and it's exciting. In January is when the other shoe drops. And so that's what we're going to do this January. So starting next Sunday. So you have a week to plan it out. Plan out what you're going to pray for. Plan out what you're going to fast. Uh, what you're going to give up. And let me explain it to you this way. First off, we're all going to pray together. So that first week, we actually come in person and we pray in church in person together every night of the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we meet in here six to seven uh, and we pray together. We have a time of worship. We have an incredible time of prayer uh, corporately. And then on Sunday, we pray together throughout these 21 days. Uh, and then we have different prayer focuses for each week. And then the full 21 days, we fast as a church. Now, let me tell you what that means. That doesn't mean that all of us go without food for 21 days and we don't eat any food and we drink only water. Some people have decided to do food. Let me put it to you this way. Whatever has a hold on you and you know what it is because you're thinking of it right now, whatever has a hold on your life, we give up during these 21 days. For some of you, it is food. Some of you came through Christmas and Thanksgiving and you ate a shocking amount of food. Come on, somebody. It was just an amazing, amazing time. For others of you, it is something different. Some of you like to cheat and just like use food as the crutch, but food has no hold on you. So it doesn't matter if you give it up or not. Listen, fasting is our time to give up those things that actually have a hold. So for some of you, you're like, I don't care what I eat during the 21. I'll eat one of these seat cushions off a chair if you just let me have Instagram during the 21 days. That's probably a good indication of what you should give up of what you should probably give for the fast, of what you should work out of your life. I promise you will survive without whatever it is for these 21 days. Or you can change it up each week. Each week decide, okay, for seven days, I'm going without this. For seven days, I'm going to put my phone down. Come on, somebody. For seven days, I'm going to actually be present in the conversations that I'm in. For seven days, I'm going to... And I promise you, you begin to give those things up, and then we're going to replace it with the truth of God's word. So we give something up, but then that void, we're going to replace it with our prayer time and with our time of devotion. I promise we'll come out of these 21 days stronger in our pursuit of Christ than we ever have. It's an amazing, amazing time we have. So we'll give you more details next Sunday uh, as we go into it, but just want to kind of set the stage here at the 31st. So go ahead and pull out your Bible, something to take some notes with. I was thinking about the message for this morning, and honestly, it's a little harder to preach um, during holidays and things, uh, Christmas, Valentine's, all these different ones, because it kind of like leans itself towards one type of sermon. So we're at the end of the year, it's New Year's, everybody's making resolutions, you haven't broken them yet, come on somebody, you haven't broken any resolutions yet, we'll talk tomorrow about noon, see where you guys are at, but we are, we're going into the new year, and so I was thinking about, I thought, what if we just looked back at the year? That would be a good thing to do, right? Look at the things that maybe uh, went right for us, look at some ways that maybe we screwed up a little bit, see some things that went wrong or right, that'd be kind of fun, but then I thought, I never get to do a new year's message until we're like already into the new year. So usually what happens is we go and usually New Year's falls during the middle of the week or we have the Sunday on the first, whatever it is, but we're already like into it. And then I get up here and I'm like, listen, everybody, I know you had lunch plans, but it's January 6th and the fast starts today, right now. You can't eat. 
And you guys are like looking at me and you're like, okay, I'm still going to go eat, but I'm not going to tell you because I want to feel holy. And so I usually, I don't get you until like January 4th or January 5th. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun to do our resolutions and to do the sermon about what the next year could look like before we even got there. Like just to talk about some things we could put into place. Because honestly, I get up here or I will, like the middle of my favorite is I'll be like, okay, guys, we need to read our Bibles this year. The one-year Bible plan, if you just start with us, but it's January 5th, and so most of us are halfway through the Old Testament already, so I hope you catch up. Like, I hope you just jump on in. And and so I thought we would just put some things into place. If we were going to talk together, what would this year look like? What would we want in our lives? If that's what we were going to do, we would do it a day early. You would have. So listen to me. You don't even have to start these till tomorrow. Come on, somebody. We don't even have to like to. How about that? We'll make the exchange today. So what we talk about today, write it down be like, that's a good thought. I'm going to start tomorrow. That's a great thing to put in my life. If you want to start today, you can be extra holy, but we are going to do it together. But what would it look like in 2024? What would it look like if we were going to inspire each other to truly be followers of Christ? Not just in name, but actual action indeed. If we were going to inspire as a church together, what would that look like in 2024? And we'll just jump it right off the bat. Jot it down if you're taking notes. First thing I think we would do is we would aspire to stand with integrity. To stand with integrity. Integrity is a lost art in our culture today. Really, it's just being the same person in every environment. And it's something that I'm inspiring to, doing what you actually say you will do and being the person that you project yourself to be. Come on, somebody, let's get quiet in here today. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, the integrity of the upright guides them. And watch this, watch the flip side of this. So the integrity, being who you say you are in every environment, being the person who you project to be, guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. See, there are so many people in our culture today that maintain the image. They're really, really good at maintaining the front, but it's not who they really are. It's not who they are on the inside. And eventually, it destroys their life because who they're projecting to be never matches the reality. And so they put all the effort and the strength. And maybe you found yourself in that position. We're not judging. Each person is talking to themselves today. But maybe you're in a position where you are putting all of your effort in keeping up the facade and none of your effort in actually living with integrity. And you are tired of putting it up. I promise you, it will destroy your life. And a person of integrity is just the same person in every environment. When they make a promise, they follow through on that promise. It says in Proverbs as well, watch this, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. The duplicity, the idea of saying one thing and then doing another. So many times we make all of these promises to the world around us, but we don't live with integrity. We're not who we say we are. We don't follow through on the commitments we make, and it lets the people down around us. And so I thought New Year's is a time of making lists. I thought I'd make a list of all of the promises that we don't keep. Come on, somebody. I thought I would just give us a couple of things that we could do. So here are a few common promises that we have probably made this year, and we are ending the year in truthfulness and holiness. And so here are some problems you have probably made that maybe you have not kept. First common problem, I'll call you tomorrow. Come on, somebody. How many of you, how many make that promise this year? A bunch of liars in here. That's what it is. A bunch of All of you have made this. Some of you are thinking right now of a person that you forgot to call back, that you need to go step out and go call. If that's where you're going, that's where we just assume. Here's another one all of us have made. I promise I won't tell anyone. 
<laughs> I promise. This right here is why people are scared of small groups. This one right here, because all you will tell every person that you trust. Problem is the person who told you in confidence doesn't trust the people that you trust. Come on, somebody. And so you're like, hey, Bill, Bob, don't, just, don't tell anybody, but he told me, and so we need to pray for him. Come on, somebody. You just go the, you will tell everybody in your world about the, yeah, it's quiet because it's true. Come on, somebody. That's what things. Next one. Here's one we call it. The check's in the mail. That's a good one. That used to be a good one because nobody writes checks anymore or uses the mail. So this used to be a good lie that we, we told back in the day. That was a good one. Here's the next one. Watch this. I'm on my way. Bunch of lie. All of us have this friend. I'm right there. I'm like two minutes away. Just wait for me. I'm just, I'm right. Everybody, you got this friend, right? Who like, you call them and they're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on Flannery right now. I'm like two minutes and you hear like the toilet flush in the background. <laughs> or like the door slam or somebody speakers. And you're like, I know where you, I know you're not. On. Come on. You just, you just leave without them. That's what you just learn. There's an answer. I'll be home by six o'clock. No, you, all of us unintentionally, you break this one. I'll be home. Here's one that's all of us as parents from time to time. Come on. We play later. We can play later. Hava, I promise we'll play later. Which is code for, I hope you forget about this conversation. That's what it is. I hope you... (laughs) Come on, we have all as parents from time to time we have broken. Here's one. Come on, here's a great one. I'm starting my diet. Say with me, tomorrow. (laughs) I just hit you where it hurts. Come on, Sorry. We all will lie about that because tomorrow comes and it's Monday. And who starts a diet on Monday? You just can't... We'll wait till next. Pastor said the fast starts next week. We'll wait till next week. That's what we do. Come on, somebody. Because tomorrow is the first. And not only is LSU playing, but then you've got like Washington, I mean, you got Bama, Michigan. You've got Washington. We've got a lot of wings to eat. Come on. They're just, we'll start next week. The fast starts next Sunday. You got to think. We'll start tomorrow. Now, these are, most of these are trivial. Most of these are not consequential in our lives. But the truth is, and we can laugh at this list, but the truth is, we've got a whole nother list of promises we make. And we don't live up to. We got a whole other list of promises that we make to people in our life. And we are living without integrity. And so we don't follow through. And the sad reality is oftentimes we're able to maintain the image. In a lot of different arenas that don't really matter all that much. And so we put all our effort and we're able to maintain the front and the image to the world and to the church and to the workplace. And to all these arenas and areas of our life. But then we fall short And we give our worst to the people who matter the most. That's why David prayed this in Psalms 101. He said, I'll ponder how to walk a blameless path. I want to live this life. When will you help me? When will you come to me? I will lead a life of integrity. Watch where he says, I want to start in my own home. Because see, we put up the front for everybody else. And there's that reality when we're frustrated, when we're stressed, we don't take it out on our pastors or on our bosses or on our coworkers or on our friends around us. We don't take it out on the world where we're putting up the facade. Isn't it the sad truth that when we're frustrated, when we're stressed, when we let our emotions take control of us, when we're actually who we're not portraying to be, isn't it true we don't take it out on the rest of them, we take it out on the dog and we take it out on our kids and we take it out on our spouse. And we give the worst of us to the ones who should deserve the best of us. I'm guilty of this. Even this week, letting angers and emotions that other people caused influence me. So instead of being angry at them, I let it affect the way that I treat my family. And so I got a New Year's resolution for you, everybody. Here's, I'm just, I'm working this one out, all right? I'm kind of workshopping this one. How about, I'm just going to get angry at the person who caused it. Come on, somebody. I'm just going to, 
Like right there in the moment. No more bottling it up. No more, no more, you know, thing like that. Whoever caused it gets it. Come on, somebody. That's what it's going <laughs> to put that on the bumper sticker. Now, don't write that down if you're taking notes, everybody. Don't put that in your, <laughs> there's no fill in the blank for that. But really, we're going to stop giving the worst of us to the ones who deserve the best. We're going to stop living our lives in duplicity where we put up the facade and we waste the energy trying to put the face to the world. And yet we treat the ones who deserve the best of us with the worst. We're going to begin to stand with integrity. We're going to be the same person in every environment. If we're going to be people of integrity, here's the best definition that I found. And that is that those who know you the best respect you the most. Who know you the closest respect you the most. That in every area of your life that you're just the same person. And it's what I am aspiring to do. And I fall short all the time, everybody. But it's what I'm trying. I'm working the hardest I possibly can to be the same person that I am on this stage as I am. And with my family as I am at Costco, as I am in every environment of life. And I fall short so often, but I am trying. And I think it's something important we should aspire to be. That we would stand with integrity. That in every environment, be the same person. Not only do we need integrity. Number two, jot it down if you're taking notes. We need to live with humility. We got to begin to live in not of that in our world today. If we're going to grow more and more like Jesus, you got to be somebody who is humble. There's not a lot of it in our culture. In fact, I think you can watch most of our sports and the reaction of our culture and see the shift that has taken place. Now, I am pretty honest and straightforward that I watch more sports than is possibly good for me. But I think even if you are a casual observer, you can see in the last 15, 20 years, a shift that has taken place just in the environment or culture of our sports in general. I think it's a mirror image of our culture where instead of players playing for the team and the area and the legacy of the team itself, now it's become, how can I make the name on the back of this jersey as great as possible? How can I build my own brand? How can I make my name? How can I get my bread? How can I make it happen all about me? You got to go pretty far to find somebody who's in it actually for the team. Because now every single team that they're a part of is just a stepping stone to making their brand greater. Every single thing that they come into, it's about how can I get on Sports Center? How can I do to make others remember my touchdown? What can I do so people will notice me and my individual talent? All the while forgetting somebody had to throw that block. Somebody had to, had to set the screen. Somebody had to coach you up to be successful. Somebody had to do it so you would get in a place to actually have success. But we forget all of that. We think, what can I do to make myself look greater? And you notice this at every level. And honestly, it's bled all the way down to like the peewee sports, where now it's all about what can I do to point to the name on the back? Forget about the team. Humility is a lost art in our culture. And yet, if we're going to be followers of Christ, we have to live with humility. We have to stand with integrity, but we have to live with the humility. And the Bible says in Proverbs, arrogance will always bring your downfall. Always. But if you're humble, you'll be respected. In so many areas of life, we see people get full of pride and it messes them all. It is a coach's worst nightmare. When his team starts to look past whatever the opponent is for that week because they get arrogant about their position and suddenly you get this like David and Goliath situation where a team loses that never should have lost because they get arrogant and prideful in what they are and where they are and the position that they're in. And pride goes before downfall. The Bible says if you're humble, then you'll be respected. We need to live a life that realizes none of us are successful without a whole bunch of people around us. 
And the reality is no matter what you do in life, no matter what measure of success that you find, it's because there's a whole bunch of people around you putting up with your garbage. Come on, somebody. The whole bunch of people around you being patient with you, loving you, encouraging you, lifting you. So many around you that helped you to do whatever it is. Nothing happens in a vacuum. So we need to live with the humility that I didn't get this all on my own. That I didn't get whatever success I found. That I didn't get to wherever I am. That I'm going to love and respect and realize the influence that other people have had in my life. The system and support. I want to lift the people around me. Because here's what I know. If you step on the fingers of those who hold your ladder to success, they might let go when you get to the top. Come on, somebody. And you might find out you're not all that special. You might realize you're not all. we got to find out. How it is we live with humility. Philippians chapter 2, it says it this way. Don't be selfish. Come on, somebody. Let's just put that as your New Year's resolution. Don't try to impress others. I love this simple phrase because it's basically how we live relationships is the inverse of this. Seems to be the default. In every relationship, we let pride worm its way to the center of our hearts. And we got to fight against this tendency to make life all about us. Every relationship, you watch the default. If you leave it without any effort putting in, you will default to pride every time. But we're called to live with humility. And yet too often we go into these things and we ask ourselves, well, how does it make me look and how does it make me feel? If I have this relationship, I'm going to go into it with this idea. How can it? And so it begins to taint every way that we, every way we interact with people. We go into it with this idea, well, how does this new relationship make me look and how does it make me feel? And so then the decisions that we make are backdropped by those questions. And so it doesn't matter who we backstab. It doesn't matter whose back we go behind. It doesn't matter how we treat the people in our life because we're in pursuit of our own pride and our own goals. Yet the Bible says, don't do that. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. That doesn't mean you just go around every day looking at yourself like, oh, I'm just so stupid. I'm just so slow and I just can't. I'm just not as good. That's not what it's saying. It's saying think of others as better. It's not thinking of yourself less, it's thinking of others more. Beginning to step up others, lifting others, loving others. In fact, you can live your life in so many different ways that you can choose. If we're going to live with humility, it's lifting and loving others. Verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Listen to me, you have two ways you can live your life. You can live your life lifting yourself or you can live your life lifting others. And I promise you the second way is always better. But you can choose to lift others, to live with this unselfish mentality. Be a person who makes a difference, lifting others, honoring those around us. Integrity, humility. Number three this year, we're going to sow with generosity. If we're going to live lives that live past us, we talked about this on Legacy Sunday. This verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where he talks to Timothy, he says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to put their hopes and their security in wealth and riches. He says, command those not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put it in God who richly provides us everything that we need. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. And watch this, in this way, you'll lay up treasure for yourself. Where moth and rust don't break in and steal, where things cannot be destroyed. He says, in this way, a firm foundation for the coming age. So you'll take hold of life that is truly life. See, if we're looking for life that's actually life, we're not looking to build a big bank account or to find other ways that we're going to build our investments. We're looking for ways to be a blessing. We're looking for ways to be a blessing. The Bible says in Psalms 119, they share freely and give generously to those in in need. Their good deeds will be remembered 
forever with influence and honor. A life that lives past us is a life of generosity, integrity and humility. But we're going to show in every area that we can because we make a living by what we get, but we leave a legacy by what we give. That you want to make an impact in the world around us. You want to leave a legacy, it's by being generous on every occasion. Proverbs 11, it says, give freely and become more wealthy. This is both backwards. This is the principle of God's way. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. It's backwards than what you think. Be stingy and lose everything. Come on, somebody. This idea of the kingdom of God, where the world says, be stingy. The world says be as stingy as you get as many zeros as you can at the end of your bank account. Get as many variety of things as you can get to have it all. And don't give anything away because that's just crazy. That's just crazy talk. Don't give to anybody in need. Don't find somebody that you can bless at Christmas time. Don't find this. Don't do any of that. That's just not get as many things as you can get. But the Bible says be stingy and you'll lose everything anyway. Be stingy and you'll find out pretty quickly who it is that gives you that blessing anyway. Be stingy and realize that you'll have no impact on the world around you. The Bible says, God says, no, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And it says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Jesus said, don't store up treasure here on earth. This is echoing what Paul tells Timothy about life that's really life. So we be generous in every occasion. You want to live a life that outlives you. We're going to stand with integrity. We're going to live with humility it's going to take generosity. And then in 2024, we've got to serve with a sense of urgency. Because time is short and every one of us has been put on this planet for the purpose of serving and making a difference in the lives of others. And I can tell you, it does. It does make a difference. When you serve others, none of us know how long we have, but I promise you it is shorter than we would like it to be. And we've got to serve with a sense of urgency. The truth is always aware of the people around us and the ways that we can make an impact and a difference in this world. Mark chapter 9, Jesus is with his disciples in this story. And they're walking along the road and they arrive at Capernaum and kind of settle in the house. And Jesus asks them, he's like, what were you discussing on the road here? Because the Bible tells us they kind of walked in this formation where Jesus would kind of get out in the front and the disciples would kind of like trickle along and follow behind and they kind of talk about stuff and talk over and it gets them in trouble all the time whenever Jesus leaves them alone back there to talk amongst themselves. But they're talking over some stuff and Jesus is like, what was it you were talking back there? And watch this next one. I love this. Said, they didn't answer. They didn't want to talk. They didn't want to tell him what they were talking about because it was stupid stuff. Come on, somebody. Like they didn't even realize Jesus overheard them at all. Jesus knew exactly what they were talking about. But they didn't want to tell him because it was different. Now, to Jesus' credit, he calls them all to him. And he's like, come here, come here, come here. Sit down and talk. Because I would have just fired them all right here. Just get a whole new staff. He would have just been like. But in Jesus' credit, Jesus calls them and he's like, okay, listen. They didn't want to answer because they've been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. What a dumb argument. Come on, somebody. Like, no, I'm greater. No, I'm, I'm the best. No, did you see how I healed that guy back there? I'm the best. I'm just the best there ever was. Jesus is going to give me a medal. I'm just, wait till we get to Capernaum. Jesus is going to give me my, no, I'm better than you. I was able to watch this. And I was, how dumb. And they've got the Savior of the world leading them. And they're trying to figure out which one of us is the best. Which one of us is the greatest? So Jesus is like, what were you talking about back there? And nobody wants to tell him. I love this verse. So he sat down. He calls the disciples over to them. And he fired them all. And he said, whoever, he talked to he, he, Jesus in his compassion. He's like, whoever wants to be first. He's like, okay, you guys want to talk about who's the best. You want to be great. You want to be first. Let me tell you how you do it. 
You want to be great in the kingdom of God. Whoever wants to be first, you got to be last place and be the servant of everybody. You want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. You have to take last place and be the servant of everybody. Jesus isn't like speaking in code here, everybody. You want to be first, put yourself last. You want to be great in the kingdom of God, serve. Serve everybody. Give your life away. I want you to know you were made on purpose and for a purpose. We are called as children of God. And it's so easy in our culture today to get so busy with our own things that time passes us by and we miss the impact that God has called us to be. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 10 that we are God's workmanship. I love this, this word, this handiwork. This word is translated so many different ways. The Greek word is this idea of masterpiece. This idea that you have been made on purpose, with a purpose, that God put time in making you. That God actually had a plan when he made you. That God actually has a purpose for your life. That you're not just some like toss off scrap on the top of the lumber heap. You are actually made with a purpose, a masterpiece by a master craftsman to do something in this life. To have a purpose for this life. And he created us in Christ Jesus, it says, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do, that God has something for you to accomplish. And it starts with serving others. First Peter tells us each one of us should use the gift that we've received to serve others. You've been made, now use it. You've been gifted, now use it. You've been created, now use it. To serve one another. Don't use it for your own selfish gain. Don't use it so you can just propel yourself. Listen, all of us get, what, 70, 80 years on this earth, 90, 100 years, 120 years, 200 years. It doesn't matter how long God gives you. Use the purpose he's given you not to make yourself great, but to serve others. And you'll take hold of life that is truly life. But we let life choke out. The cares that we have, we let it come in and busy us up so much that we lose sight of what really matters. We lose sight of being generous in every opportunity. We lose sight. First Peter says, use your gifts to serve others. We're going to walk with integrity and humility. We're going to be generous at every occasion. And we're going to serve with a sense of urgency because the time is short. Back to Ephesians, it says this in chapter 4. He makes the whole body fit together, speaking about the church fit together perfectly. Each one of you in a unique position, each one of you doing its own special work, helping the other parts to grow. This is a picture, not only of our church, but the church around the world, what we should look like. Each one of us doing what we can, leveraging all that we have, doing everything that we can in the sphere and the place that God has placed us so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is the picture God has of the church. Every one of us using the gifts that we have, not just observing, not just attending, not just consuming, but serving, making an impact, making a difference. So one day we hear the words, well done, well done. You did what I asked you to do. You did it in the time that I asked you to do it. You did it in the place where I planted you. Well done. He did it even in the environment where you lived. I hear people talk all the time. It's such a dark world we live in. It's just such a dark culture we live in. It's just going to hell in a handbasket, Pastor. It's just such a, we just need to hold on to Jesus. It is a dark world we live in, everybody. It is. But for some reason, God placed us here. And we can sit inside the church walls and suck our thumbs and sing Kumbaya. We can do that if you really want to. 
and cry about how dark the world is and pray for Jesus to come and never step outside, foot outside. We can do that if you want, but listen to me. For some reason, God placed us here. The Bible says God knew the people that he created and he knew the times that he created them for. And so for some reason, God has chosen us for this time and this place. And listen to me, I told you this before. There have been more people saved, more people who have accepted the gospel, given their life to Jesus, more people saved since the year 2000 to present than in all 2000 years prior combined. This is the time of the gospel. This is the time of revival in our land. And for some reason, God chose us to be here. Listen to me, Paul is great, but Paul is dead. Moses is dead. Peter's gone. Samuel's not here. For some reason, God chose us. He placed us at this time. Didn't choose any of the patriarchs. Didn't choose any of the heroes of the faith. He chose you and he chose me. And he gifted us and placed us at this time in history to spread the gospel and to make a difference. That we have been called. That we have been called for this place and this time. And so whatever sphere, whatever place God has placed you, I don't care how dark it is. Remember, God has placed you there for a reason. God has gifted you for a reason. God knew the time and the place that he would place you in to make an impact and to make a difference in the world around us. We have been called. We have been called. And God has placed us here for it. We're going to serve with a sense of, we're going to stand with integrity, church. We're going to live our lives with humility. We are going to sow generously, but we are going to serve with urgency, knowing that heaven and hell hang in the balance, that somebody's life hangs in the balance. And that there are thousands and thousands of people whose lives hang in the balance. We're going to serve with urgency, knowing this is the time of the gospel. This is the time to make an impact, that one day we will hear the voice of our Savior. Say, well done. You did what I asked you to do. You did what I asked you to do. You did it in the time that I gave you. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. I just want to pray that God would help us in these four areas. That I know maybe this year didn't go the way you thought it would, or maybe your life doesn't look the way you thought it would, but that God would begin to help us to grow in these areas. Before we pray that, though, some of you are here today, or maybe you're watching online. Some of you, you're listening to this whole sermon, and you realize... Like not even just the idea of the call of God, but you realize you're just as far away from God as you possibly could be. And maybe you showed up because it's the last Sunday of the year. Or maybe you're watching online because you saw somebody share it and you clicked a link or something. You don't really know why you're here, why you're listening. Listen to me. If you're in that place, if you're saying, look, I'm, I'm about as far from God as you can possibly be, or look, I... I used to be close to him, but I've run so far because of something that happened. I I don't know how you got where you are, but listen, I promise you, you are listening and you are here and it's not an accident that you are. That God has purpose for your life. You say, well, I hear all the stuff about purpose and about calling and all that, and that's great for everybody else, but you don't know what I've done and you don't know where I've been and you don't know the things that I've gone through and you don't know the things that I've said about God in the darkness of the night, and you don't know how I turned my back on him, and you don't know how I ran so far and how I blamed him. You just don't know, Pastor. 
It's great you sit up there on your stage, but it just, it, it can't apply to me and listen to me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you think you've run. God loves you. The Bible is very, very clear that the love of God has no limits. That the forgiveness of God is for everyone. And so I want to talk to you right now, the one who thinks this can't be for me, so I'm just going to tune it out. I want to talk to you right now, the one who thinks, well, I ran too far. I want to talk to you right now, the one who thinks, well, I've just done too much. God loves you and he wants you. He wants you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And the Bible says that while we were sinners, not after we had figured everything else out, not after we had gotten ourselves clean, not after we had fixed everything about our lives so we could somehow come in his presence. No, the Bible says while we were still sinners, enemies of the cross, Christ died for us. He died for us while we were still sinners to reconcile us, to bring us back. He shed his life to save us. The Bible says he didn't stay dead. God raised him back to life that anyone, including you, anyone could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. That is the hope of the gospel. So I don't know how your year went. I don't know how you're finishing it out. I don't know any of that, but I do know the greatest decision you can possibly make is to accept that forgiveness, to let Jesus wash you clean. You want a new start, it happens here. So we want to pray with you. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or come to the front. I'm not in this to embarrass you. Right now, you can make a decision to follow Christ. Right now, this is between you and the Lord, but our church has dedicated ourselves. We will pray this with everybody who wants to pray this prayer. You want to have your eternity secure. You want to start a life of following Jesus. It starts right now with a decision. And I can give you the words to pray, and our whole church can pray it with you, but you have to say them, and you have to mean them in your own heart. Right now, let's pray. Come on, church, let's pray with those who want to make that decision. Say these words. Say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sin, all my mistakes. I repent. I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose again. I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray. As we go into this new year as a church, Father, I pray you would help us to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would stand with integrity. As a church, we would be who we say we are. Lord, you would eradicate any hint of hypocrisy in our life, that we could be a witness for the kingdom of God, that we could show others what it really means to follow Christ. Lord, and that starts with living with humility. Make us humble in every arena and area of life. Let us live with humility. Lord, let us sow with generosity that you have blessed us. Let us bless others. Every need that we find, let us be the hands and feet of God in this world. Lord, let us, let us bless those around us in the same way that we have been blessed. And then let us serve with a sense of urgency because the time is short. 
Lord, we would serve knowing that this is the time of the gospel. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give God praise for what he's done today?